Contemplations before chanting. The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism, flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, listen as one body, chant as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self liberating us from the superiority complex, the inferiority complex, and the equality complex.
morning, dear Sangha. Today is uh, Sunday, the 23rd of March, the year 2014. And we are in the still water meditation hall of the upper hamlet, Plum Village. Welcome to our uh, second week of the spring session. Let us uh, take a look at these uh, beautiful flowers. It's springtime and many flowers are blooming. And uh, I hope that your heart will bloom like a flower. Also, don't be afraid of, uh, don't be afraid to love. Open your heart. When I look at uh, something like uh, a flower, I can see that it is a wonder. It's a true wonder of life. You cannot deny the fact that uh, a flower is a wonder. Then, and there are so many wonders of life around us. When we do walking meditation, we encounter so many wonders of life on our path. And we may like to ask where this wonder has come from. It is there. We may not be able to answer the question where it has come from, but uh, you can be sure that it is there, the wonder. And the flower is looking at us also. You are looking at the flower, but the flower is kind of looking at us also. And it may say, that we are a wonder. And in fact, uh, we are wonders. Your body, first of all, your body is a wonder of life. And many uh, biologists have been trying to understand the body. We have found out a lot about our body, and nobody... Um, can say that our body is a wonder. So the meeting, the encounter between wonders, (laughs) we believe and we recognize the flower as a wonder, and the flower recognizes us also as a wonder. Do we have time in order to be with a wonder? In the Christian tradition, uh, we believe that all these wonders have been created by God. Because we have, we had that question where these wonders have come from. 
So we were looking, looking, and looking, and finally we said, uh, God created these wonders. In the Buddhist tradition, we don't speak of creation. So we have another kind of answer. When uh, Buddhists meditate, they look deeply and and if they do well, they can get in touch with the nature of wonders. The nature of a flower, the nature of a cloud, the nature of a rock. And they found out that uh, the true nature of things is the nature of no birth and no death. We think uh, first, in the beginning, we may think of uh, a cloud as uh, as something that will that will die. So we talk about the birth of a cloud and the death of a cloud. What does it mean, the death of a cloud? You look up at the sky and you do not see your cloud anymore. And you believe that your cloud is dead. But looking very deeply, meditating, you find out that it's impossible for a cloud to die. To die means from being, from the realm of being, you pass into the realm of non-being. From something, you become nothing. From someone, you become no one. That is our definition of, of death. But in the case of the cloud, a cloud cannot become nothing. It is possible for a cloud to become snow or ice or rain. But it is not possible for a cloud to become nothing. So we can conclude that uh, a cloud never dies. Never die. So the true nature of the cloud is the nature of no death. And if something that is uh, not subjected to death, it is also not subject to birth. We can speak about the birth of a cloud. To be born according to our thinking, is from nothing you become something, right? That is our definition. From the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being, 
That is our definition of birth. But if we look deeply, that is meditation. Meditation is to have the time to look deeply. You find out there is nothing like that. That is not. There is nothing that can come from from nothing. A cloud has, has not come from nothing. A cloud has come from the water in the ocean. From the from the from the water uh, vapor, from the heat of the sun. When we breathe out, we produce cloud. We produce uh, vapor. We don't see it, but uh, in this meditation hall, is uh, there's a lot of cloud, invisible. So the water vapor come up from uh, the ocean, from the lakes, from the rivers, from our breathing. And when the vapor mm, encounter something cold, and then it become visible, and we see the cloud. Here, I'm sure that uh, you know that uh, there there are many clouds in our meditation hall, although they are invisible. Uh, and uh, when when the water vapor uh, encounters a cold surface, as a cold uh, atmosphere, it becomes visible as a cloud. So uh, to meditate is to look deeply into the nature of birth and death, and find out that birth and death are just ideas, notions. And we know that a cloud has not come from the realm of non-being. A cloud is the continuation of the ocean, of the of uh, of uh, the air that we uh, breathe out. So, a cloud is not subjected to birth and to death. And the same is true with our our beloved ones. Nobody can can die, including ourselves. Most of us are afraid of dying because we believe that to die means from someone you become no one, and we identify ourselves with this body, these feelings. Suppose a cloud identifies itself with, uh, with that uh, appearance of a cloud. And when the moment comes for the cloud to become rain, it will be scared. I'm going to die. But there is no death possible. A cloud can, only, can simply become rain or snow. No death. Only transformation. It manifests as a cloud and recognized as a cloud. But later on, 
they stop manifesting as a cloud and they begin to manifest as the rain or the snow. So in, in the Buddhist tradition, we prefer to speak about manifestation rather than, than creation. Something manifests and stop that manifestation in order to manifest otherwise. So manifestation after manifestation, there is no death. And that is the nature of this cloud, of this flower. Although it looks fragile, impermanent, but it's not going to die. We know that during winter time, everything was hidden. The dragonflies, the butterflies, the flowers. We did not see them, and we could not say that they, they did not exist, no. They have not manifested. It's wrong to say that they belong to the realm, to the realm of non-being, no. Because when uh, March, April come, they begin to manifest. So that is rather a manifestation than a creation. And you are a creation rather than a, you are a manifestation rather than a creation. You manifest in this wonderful appearance. And after that, you manifest in another uh, appearance, equally wonderful. You don't die. It's impossible to die. scientists, they also spend time to look deeply. They meditate in their way, uh, in, in their own way. They look and they fa- have found very much the same thing. They have found that the nature of uh, matter and energy is the, the nature of no birth and no death. You cannot destroy matter you cannot destroy energy. You cannot produce matter. You cannot produce energy. If you look, you see that matter can be can become another kind of matter. And matter can become energy. And energy can become another kind of energy. And energy can become matter. So they go around like that. They continue that transformation, manifestation, and nothing died. The French uh, uh, scientist, uh, Lavoisier, he said it very clearly, nothing is born, nothing dies. Rien ne se crée, rien ne se perd. And you know that he is not a Buddhist. So the first law of uh, thermodynamics is that uh, 
the law of the conservation of energy and matter tell us that nothing is born and nothing can die. So scientists and uh, practitioners of meditation, they agree with each other that the nature of things is the nature of no birth and no death. And if you touch your nature of no birth and no death, you remove all fear. And you begin to enjoy. Uh, Birth and death are rather notions, ideas, than, than, than reality. And as we, we are used to define that uh, to be born means from the realm of non-being, you pass into the realm of being. And in order to, uh, to, to prove it, we make a birth certificate. Such a such uh, person is born on such a such date. And to say that this person has come from the realm of non-being into the realm of being, and his name is so and so. And when a person died, well, we need an also a certificate of death. This person has passed into the realm of non-being. So the notion of birth and death is linked to the notion of being and non-being. And these notions scare us, make us suffer a lot. But uh, if you have the time to look deeply at the flower or at yourself, you'll be able to touch the nature of no birth and no death in you. And you transcend not only the notion of birth and death, but you transcend also the notion of being and non-being. And you know that to be or not to be, that is not the question. Because being and non-being are only notions. Reality transcends both notions of being and non-being. In springtime, we like to uh, to go out and, and take a walk. We want to get away from our computer, from our work, and enjoy the beautiful manifestations of spring. Walking meditation is a kind of walk. We want to get in touch with the wonders of life. We are a wonder of life. And we want to get in touch with other wonders of life. We want to spend time contemplating, enjoying the wonders of life. If you are so busy, if if you are so caught up with your uh, business, your worries, you don't have the time to live and to get in touch with the wonders of life. Yesterday I wrote a new calligraphy in French. I wrote une journée sans ordinateur, quel bonheur. 
a day without a computer. How lucky I am. How happy I am. When you spend two hours with your computer, you forget entirely that you have a body, that you are a wonder. You are caught in your work. You do not have the awareness that you are a wonder, that everything else around you are wonders. So taking a walk, doing walking meditation is to to go back and to touch the wonders of life in ourselves and around us. In order to encounter the wonders of life, you have to go home to yourself. And your first home is your body. Very often your body is there, but your mind is not there. Your mind is caught in your worries, your anxiety, your fear, your anger, your projects. Your mind is running to the future. Or your mind is caught in the past. So the practice of mindful walking, mindful breathing, is to bring your mind home to your body. Your body is the first home. As you breathe in, you focus your attention on your in-breath. And in no time at all, you go home to your body. You don't do anything much. You just focus your attention on your in-breath. Breathing in, I know I am breathing in. Breathing in, I enjoy breathing in. And your mind focuses entirely on your breath, your in-breath. It takes two or three seconds to breathe in, and during that time you go home to your body. Going home, you need only one, two, three seconds. And when body and mind are together, you are home. You are established in the here and the now. The address of your home is here and now. Home. And only in the here and the now that you can touch the wonders of life. If your mind is caught in the future or in the past, you are not there in order to to touch the wonders of life. You have an appointment with life. And that appointment is in the present moment. If you miss the present moment, you miss your appointment with life. 
which is very serious. And therefore, you can practice mindful breathing in order to go back to the present moment. And when you take a walk, every step you make also bring you home to the present moment. So meditation in a Buddhist context is first of all to go home to the here and the now and to be alive. To be alive and to be in touch with the wonders of life that are available. If you have a Christian background, you can say that uh, this flower belongs to the kingdom of God. And in the Buddhist tradition, he say this flower is a manifestation from the Dharmakaya. The word Dharma means uh, things, phenomena, like a flower, a cloud. And the Dharma, Dharma uh, written in capital letter, it means the teaching, the teaching of the Buddha. So Dharma with uh, a D, Ordinary D like this means uh, a phenomenon like a marker, like uh, a house, like a tree, all dhammas. And when dhamma written with uh, capital D, it means uh, the teaching of the Buddha. And there is a word uh, dhamma. Madhatu realm of the Dharma. The realm of all phenomena. All the Dharma, the cosmos. Dharma Datu is the cosmos. It comprises of all phenomena called Dharma Datu. And sometimes it, it is going to be a body. Dhammakaya means the body of the Dharma. It's interesting to compare the, the notion of Dhammakaya with the notion of the kingdom of God. Because many of us are here from, are from the, here are from a Christian background. During the time of the Buddha, people practice taking refuge in the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha. The Buddha is the teacher, the Dharma is the teaching. 
and the Sangha is the community that carries the teaching. Mm. Sangha is the community that applies the teaching in the in the daily life. And uh, a practitioner has uh, three bodies. He has his uh, physical body, but he has also his Dharma body. Because his Dharma body is, is his practice. When you learn the practice of breathing, walking, sitting, meditating, you have the you you begin to have a Dharma body. That is our spiritual dimension. If you have a practice, if you have a spiritual practice, and then you can encounter the difficulties of life, you know how to handle a feeling of fear, anger, distress. You know how to overcome obstacles, difficulties in your daily life. You need a practice, a spiritual practice, and that is uh, the Dharma Kaya. Dharma Kaya. And every one of us has our physical body, but uh, every one of us has a Dharma body because we have a spiritual practice. And then, in order to practice well, we need another body, which is a Sangha body. We need a community. We need friends on the path to support each other. So you take refuge in the Dharma, you take refuge also in a Sangha, Sangha body. Here in Plumlesh, uh monks, nuns, lay practitioners, they take refuge in each other, they take refuge in the Sangha, and they keep their practice alive, they deepen their practice every day, thanks to the collective practice, to the collective energy of the practice. Uh, if you don't have a Sangha body, you will abandon your practice uh, after uh, three months or so when you go home. So you are, you are encouraged that if you have a Dharma body, if you have spiritual practice, and if you want to, to nourish, to preserve that uh, Dharma body, and, and then when you go home to your city, you have to to build a Sangha, to find friends in order to set up a, a community of practice. And you meet every week to do walking meditation, sitting meditation, and by doing so, you, you nourish, you maintain you, uh, your, pra- uh, your practice, and you nourish your Dharma body. So you, you, you need a Sangha body to nourish your Dharma body, you practice. And that is the, the meaning of the word Dharma body in the time of the Buddha. One day, uh, a monk was dying. Uh, 
His name is Rakali. And the Buddha went to see him. And uh, the Buddha asked him, uh, Dear friend Rakali, uh, how do you feel in your body? And Vakali said, well, there is a lot of pain in my body. And the Buddha reminded him to practice uh, mindful breathing and focus his attention on the three jewels, the Buddha and the Dharma and the Sangha. And finally the Buddha said, dear friend, do you still regret anything? And he said, uh, Dear teacher, I don't regret anything except one. That is, uh, I'm too weak uh, these days, and uh, I regret that I cannot go to the Gridakuta mountain to, in order to, to see you. To see you. Vakali, uh, in the past, had been an attendant of the Buddha. And because he was a little bit too attached to the Buddha, that is why he wasn't allowed by other brothers to be an attendant to the Buddha. Some attachment. And then Buddha said, Dear friend Vakali, this is only my physical body. This physical body of mine will disintegrate a number a number of years later. You already may have my Dharma body. My Dharma body is always with you. It's important. This physical body is not important. So at the time of the Buddha there is already the distinction between the physical body and the Dharma body. The essential is that you get the Dharma body of the Buddha, and his physical body is impermanent. You should not be attached to a physical body. If you have already the Dharma body, uh, you can continue to nourish your Dharma body. So that is the meaning of the, the word Dharma body in the time of Buddha. But later on, the word Dharma body has another meaning. Especially in Mahayana Buddhism. Dharma body means the body of the Dharma. And uh, the Mahayana Sutras, where you read that uh, that uh, that uh, that the Buddha never died. The Buddha continues always in many forms and including this flower. This is a continuation of the Buddha. And if you know how to contemplate the flower, 
if you know how to listen, and this flower is teaching you mindfulness, concentration, insight, the noble eightfold path, the four noble truth is teaching. It's teaching you impermanence, no self, interbeing. You need a kind of ear that can that can hear the teaching of the Buddha through his new manifestation as a flower. So in Mahayana Buddhism, the Buddha continues to be there. The Buddha has never died, and his teaching always the Dharma. A tree standing in the front yard is teaching the Dharma. A river, a cloud, everything is teaching you the Dharma. And the Dharmakaya is equivalent to the Kingdom of God. It is available in the here and the now. The Buddha is available. And this flower is uh, one form of uh, manifestation of the Buddha. And if you listen to it, if you contemplate it, and you can touch the nature of no birth and no death in it, it's teaching you uh, the noble eightfold path. It's teaching you impermanence, no self. A pebble, a butterfly, a river also uh, is also t- uh, t- giving uh, dhamma talk. And uh, the problem is whether you are capable of listening to the Dharma talk given by the tree, the creek, the cloud, the river. They are all uh, uh, talking about impermanence, no self, interbeing, no birth, no death. And that is uh, the teaching of Mahayana Buddhism. So you can say that this flower is the manifestation of the Dharma Kaya, the Dharma body. And your body also is teaching you impermanence, no self, interbeing, no birth and no death. If you listen to your body, uh, you listen to the Dharma also. You don't have a, a complex. Your body is a wonder of life. Observing your body, you can find out impermanence, no self, interbeing, no birth, and no death. So if, uh, if uh, as, uh, if uh, you have a Christian background, you can say that this flower belongs to the kingdom of God. If you are a Buddhist practitioner, you say this flower is manifestation of the Buddha, of the Dharmakaya. So, the Dharmakaya is equivalent to the Kingdom of God. And according to our practice, the Kingdom of God is available in the here and the now. The Kingdom of God is on earth.
in the here and the now. And when you practice walking meditation, you touch the kingdom of God with every step, every breath. You don't have to die in order to go into the kingdom of God. It may be too late. You don't have to go anywhere to go up in order to touch the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is on earth. And you can touch the kingdom of God through a flower, a pebble, a creek. You can touch the kingdom of God through your body. Because your body also belongs to the kingdom of God. That is the insight we need when we practice walking meditation. You are walking in the kingdom of God. And if you do well, every step can bring joy, happiness, and freedom. Every breath can bring joy, happiness, and freedom. And you get the healing, the transformation, the nourishment with every step and with every breath. Walking meditation is not a hard labor. This is enjoyment. And according to this practice, the kingdom is now or never. kingdom of God there is sunshine but also there is rain last year when we were uh, in uh, Hong Kong we practiced walking meditation with 1,300 uh, people and it rained and everybody brought out their umbrella <laughs> and enjoyed the kingdom of God in the rain so not only the kingdom is beautiful when there is sunshine, but also there is rain. So after this Dhamma talk, we shall go out and enjoy the kingdom together. And with every breath, with every step, you can get in touch with the kingdom. And if you know how to bring your mind home to your body, and establish yourself firmly in the present moment, every step will help you to touch the kingdom of God. The Dharmakaya of, uh, of the Buddha. And it is clear that uh, the kingdom of God, the Dharmakaya, is available in the here and the now. The problem is whether you are available to the kingdom or to the Dhammakaya. If you are overloaded with anger, fear, worries, you are not available. You have to be free in order for the kingdom to be touched. And freedom is a practice. Freedom is possible. When you breathe in mindfully, and focus your attention only on your in-breath, nothing else. You, you let go of everything else. You let go of your project, your anger, your fear. You just enjoy your in-breath. You are free. And that freedom can last 
three seconds, four seconds during your in-breath. And you can maintain that freedom longer by focusing your attention on your out-breath. Freedom with your in-breath, freedom with your out-breath, freedom with your in-breath again, with your out-breath again. And you can maintain that state of freedom as long as you wish. Then if you are walking, and then one step making like that, one step made like that, bring you home to the here and the now. And you release the past, you release the future, and you are free. So this practice is the practice of freedom. Freedom from the past, freedom from the future, freedom from your worries, from your fresh projects. That freedom allows you to be in the here and the now for you to touch the kingdom of God, the Dharmakaya with all the wonders. It's simple enough, everyone can understand that. And if you do walk in meditation with that insight, every moment, every step can be a joy, can be happiness. And later on, we cannot say that nobody tell me, nobody tell me, nobody has told me that uh, the kingdom of God is there and we should be there to enjoy. So freedom is possible with mindfulness. Mindfulness of breathing, mindfulness of walking, Every breath, every step help you to concentrate on the to go back to the here and the now. And if you can maintain that uh, that uh, mindfulness and concentration on your in-breath, out-breath and step, you release everything else and you become a free person. Happiness, true happiness, cannot be without freedom. And freedom is a practice. Freedom is a habit. You walk like a free person. You sit like a free person. You eat like a free person. You are not pulled away by the past, by the future, by your worries, by your projects. And you can measure your freedom. as you live your daily life. How free I have, uh, how free am I, how much freedom do I get? And you have to, to make a decision to get back your freedom and not continue to be a victim of the environment all, always uh, pulling you away from the here and the now. We long for something. We check our email several times a day. We hope that something good will happen. But uh, everything, every wonder is happening right here in the here and the now. And you are looking for something else in the future. So it's time for us to stop and train ourselves how to live. Mindfulness and concentration are generated by our practice of breathing, 
and walking. And it allows us to to live deeply every moment that is given to us to live. Waking up in the morning, you smile. You breathe and you say that 24, I have 24 brand new hours to live. That's a great gift for life. I'm not going to waste these 24 hours. I will live with freedom. I will keep myself in the here and the now and live each moment that is given to me to live deeply and I enjoy. I enjoy every breath. I enjoy every step. I enjoy everything I look at, the flower, the sky, uh, the trees, the people around me. Freedom allowed us to do so. And it is, uh, it may be uh, useful to ask ourselves, how much freedom do I have in order to, to live my life? And we may ask our partner, how can we have more freedom? Tell me. Can you support me, darling, to have more freedom so that I can live more deeply my life? Up to now, we don't know what we have done with our life. We have been wasting our life. And the teaching of Buddha help us to see that we have to stop living in that way in order to begin to live uh, differently. The kingdom of God is there. Enjoy. The Dharmakaya is there with all the wonders. Why do we have to run and to look for happiness elsewhere? That is enlightenment. Enlightenment is possible in the here and the now. When I do mindful exercise, with you this morning. It's not because I want to have to, uh, uh, I, I want to be in good shape. I do like that in order to remember that I have a body. I have a body still functioning. The fact that you are aware that the body is there, you are, you are still able to breathe in and to raise your arm like this, it's a joy already. So it is not a means to arrive at some end. It's pure enjoyment. So when you walk, every step should be a celebration of life. Your steps are not means for you to arrive some, somewhere. So walking from your dorm to the dining hall, you enjoy every step. Your destination is not a dining hall. Your destination is the here and the now, and you enjoy every step. With every step, you touch the kingdom of God, the Dharmakaya, the wonders of life. That is our practice. Not the dining hall, but every step is your destination. I have arrived, I am home.
that you can use these words you can use during sitting meditation or walking meditation I have arrived in the here and the now my home is in, in the here and the now so breathing in during walking meditation you breathe in and you make uh, two steps or three steps and you say I have arrived I have arrived And make sure that you arrive. When you arrive, you arrive truly in the here and the now. Your mind does not wander anymore because you are focusing your attention on your in-breath and the contact between your foot and the ground and the kingdom of God. I'm touching the kingdom of God. It is available in the here and the now. With some training, you arrive truly in the kingdom of God with everything. That is a challenge, but anyone can succeed. When you are mindful enough, when you are concentrated enough on your in-breath and on your step, you arrive. 80%, 90%, and 100%. You don't need to practice 10 years in order to arrive at that. Maybe, maybe the first hour of time, you can already taste the kingdom of God, the arrival in the here and the now with every step. Remember, the kingdom of God is now or never. The song goes like this, I have arrived, I am home. So I practice. I have arrived, arrived, arrived. I'm home, 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 home. The in-breath is always shorter than the out-breath. So when you, you make uh, two steps while breathing in, you can make three steps while breathing out. I have arrived, I have arrived. I'm home, I'm home, I'm home. Uh, rhythm. But later on, you might find that uh, two, three is uh, uh, is not satisfying enough, and you change it to three, four. I have arrived, arrived, arrived. I'm home, home, home. And you enjoy every step. And if you feel joy, happiness, if you touch the kingdom of God, you, you are doing it right. You don't need someone to tell you whether your practice is correct or not correct. If you feel free, if you feel joyful and happy, you are doing it right. And every step become, uh, can, 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 can bring healing. Every step can bring nourishment.
and all of us need need healing and nourishment and nourishment is every step healing is every step there is no way to healing healing is the way so you get the healing with every breath and every step you are free you are free from the past from the future from your worries I have arrived, I'm home. In the here, in the now, which is the same. The here, the now is just the address of your true home. I am solid, I am free. I am solid means I'm not being pulled away by my thinking, my the past or the future. I am fully established in the here and the now. That means solidity. So every step cultivate solidity, stability, and solidity, which are the foundation of happiness. I am solid. I am free. You are free because every step bring you to the here and the now so that you can touch the wonders of life and the past cannot pull you back the future cannot pull you away so you are free this is not auto-suggestion this is not uh, uh, wishful thinking this is a realization because every step cultivates solidity and freedom and solidity and freedom are the two basic conditions for happiness. I am solid. Solid. I am free. 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 In the ultimate I dwell. The ultimate is the kingdom of God. The Dhammakaya. The realm of no birth and no death. I belong to the kingdom of God. I belong to the Dhammakaya. My nature is nature of no birth and no death. And only with that insight that happiness can be perfect. And when we work together as a group, we create a collective energy of mindfulness, of concentration, of peace, of joy. And you can feel that collective uh, energy. You allow that collective energy of mindfulness, of peace, of joy, penetrate into your body. And that makes transformation and healing in your body much easier. Allow you yourself to be transported by the Sangha. It's like a drop of water. Allow herself to be embraced and transported by the whole river. The drop of water don't want to stay alone. She allowed herself to be embraced by the whole river and transported by the whole river. If during your sitting and walking you allow yourself to be penetrated by the collective energy of the Sangha, allow the collective energy of uh, mindfulness, 
concentration and peace to embrace you, you get the transformation and healing much more easily than if you stay uh, as uh, 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 a drop of water. Allow yourself to be penetrated, to be embraced, to be carried, transported by the Sangha, which is a river. And that is why we need to take refuge in the Sangha. The Sangha provides something wonderful that is the collective energy of mindfulness concentration. You have noticed that when the bell master invites the bell to sound, every one of us in the Sangha stop the thinking. Because the first sound of the bell, the half sound, is a warning that there is a full sound that's going to be heard. So after the half sound, and you have the pre- you have to prepare yourself. Stop talking, stop thinking, and ready to receive receive the full sound. And when the full sound is there, every one of us is breathing in. Listen, I listen to this sound. And when you breathe out, you say, this wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. My true home is the kingdom of God. It's the here and the now. It's the Dharma Kaya. And you notice that it, when the whole Sangha breathes like that, the energy of mindfulness is collective. The concentration is collective. And even a child can feel the peace, the concentration, the compassion uh, generated by, by the collective energy. And the best thing a Sangha can provide is that collective energy of mindfulness. So let us sit with the Sangha, walk with the Sangha whenever is possible. We can sit on our own and we can walk on our own. But if there is a chance to sit with the Sangha and to walk with the Sangha, to eat with the Sangha, to work with the Sangha, and then we should be able to, to join because by doing so, we profit from the collective energy. The sunshine, some sunshine.